As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Part by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. New for 2018, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be contested at IHRA tracks around the country with a $10,000 to win Saturday race and a $5,000 to win Sunday race. By pre-entering the Saturday race for only $150, you will receive entry to Sunday's race for free. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're an open-minded racer with a desire to improve on the track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can provide the tools to help you do so. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, Luke. Everybody's talking about a huge 50 grand final this past weekend. Now, 50 grand finals have become commonplace in big book bracket racing, but this one had a little different feel. Number one, it was a shootout. It was the ultimate 64 shootout. And number two, the money didn't quite get cut up like we've come to see in uh, big buck bracket racing these days. No, uh, Jed, uh, as you know, it's typical, whether it's whether you think it's right, wrong, would do it if you were in those shoes, wouldn't do it if you were in those shoes. It is typical for these races to get cut. And honestly, particularly in a race like the Ultimate 64, where it falls to eight, four, two, no buy runs, nobody mm. to really deny the split. It's typical for it to get cut pretty early sure, and spread the wealth a little bit, so to speak. That did not happen at the Ultimate 64 <laughs> shootout at uh, Kill Care up in Ohio over the weekend. Final round, 
Dennis Mead, Jason Lynch, $50,000 to win, $10,000 to run her up as advertised. Big Jed, how would you feel staging up one round, 40 grand? Well, you know, I, I'd, I'd probably be nervous. I'd probably have a little anxiety. And in this situation, I could see where a racer might have some uh, anger as well. You know, nope. I don't think it, it was warranted if that happened. But as the story goes, obviously, somebody said no to a split. Now, you think, okay, somebody said no to a split, maybe at eight cars or maybe even at four cars. But the final round, it that carried all the way to the final. So if I had asked that person, and maybe I knew them well, I don't know how I'd feel. I'd probably be a little aggravated and upset just because I think it's become an expectation to split. But you said it a long time ago, and I've even repeated it here on the show. There is no nothing wrong with racing for the advertised purse, and that's what happened. No, uh, you're absolutely right. As you mentioned, it splitting has become commonplace, and I think you used a good word there, expectation, because – I mean, I've been in that situation, not necessarily in the final round, but late in a big, big race multiple times. And I don't ever remember at least the discussion not being had. And I can count on one hand the times that a racer as part of the discussion said, nah, nah, let's roll. But (laughs) as you stated, it is absolutely every racer has to agree to a split. So if there is anybody that wants to race for the advertised purse, that is absolutely within their rights. And I don't really think you can get upset with them. In this instance, it was, I mean, we let the cat out of the bag here. I don't think it's any surprise to anybody listening. It was Jason Lynch the whole way. Like, don't want to split. Didn't want to split at eight. Didn't want to split at four. Didn't want to split in the final. Ended up on the losing end of it. Got 10 grand. Not a bad bad outcome. (laughs) Right. But when you realize that he laid down 15 total in the final and and lost a $40,000 swing. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But that's absolutely within Jason's rights. And I don't know. I haven't talked to everybody involved, but I talked to a few people and there's like wasn't any animosity or ill will. It was just Lynch kind of going Lynch on him. And every now and then he just. Gets it in his head like, this is what we're doing, and I'm either going to win or lose, but we're going to race for 50. And I, I don't know that a lot of people could get away with that, but I think Jason can. Yeah, I think Jason can because <laughs> I envision them saying, Jason, you want to do something right here? And him going, nah, you know, no, nah, guys, I guess not. I guess we'll just go out here and race. You know, he probably didn't say, you know, no, D.A. or dip, insert word here. I don't. He was probably really nice about it. No, guys, I'd just rather go race for it. So I don't think he, he would create a situation where it would get any hostile or, or get to create hostility. But still, not real sure how I'd feel about it. But I know how I'd feel about it if that wind light come on like it did. What's <laughs> sure. we're going to talk about. <laughs> no, it, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's very interesting to talk about. But do you think, Jed, there's an opportunity now? Because as you mentioned in the open, these huge purses are more commonplace by the weekend. Do you think we'll see more of this? Like, I, I think there's still a growing I shouldn't say growing, a a large percentage of racers that are just happy to get to the split, turn a profit, whatever the ultimate winner ends up getting is is fine. But let's just make sure everybody wins. You see that more commonplace than anything. But with these purses becoming so more, 
prevalent? Like, do you think that we'll be see more instances where you have a twenty-five thousand dollar to win, fifty thousand dollar to win, maybe hundred thousand dollar to win final that's just run just like the flyer says? That's a great question, and you know, I was thinking about it as you were asking it because we didn't really discuss this, so it, it was uh, kind of thrown upon me. And I really do, Luke. I really do think that situations like this will lead people down the road to say, you know what? It's acceptable. I don't have to split. If a guy doesn't want to split, he doesn't have to split. And he can make that decision for himself and continue on through the race and make it as far as he makes it. So, yeah, I really believe that it will. Uh, I think the runner-up purses, you know, especially here, that was ten grand. That's a nice payday. If you told me I was going to go to the track this weekend and win ten grand, I wouldn't care if I was racing for eight million. <laughs> if I know I was going to win ten grand. I'd feel pretty darn good about it. So, good point. Good point. And it's a double-edged sword because it's one thing to not split that and lose it and go, oh man, I you know I should have done something. I could have doubled my money or more, right? That's got to be a bitter feeling. But I can also tell you that it's not a great feeling at the end of the day when you win a fifty thousand dollar race. Let's say just as an example, and your winner's check was like less than twenty grand by the time it was said and done. You just step back from that and go, ooh, you know, should I have done something different? So it is. It's a double-edged sword on, on both sides. But, A, two main points to to touch on here before we move on to our next topic. After all of that and the emotions that had to be involved, just knowing it's – I'm going to stage up one time with $40,000 hanging in the balance, right? 50 to win, <laughs> 10 to runner-up. The yeah. losing run was 15 total. Oh, Dennis Mead and Jason Lynch both stepped up. I believe Lynch was 11 dead four. If I'm not mistaken, I have the numbers in front of me. I think Dennis Mead was like 10 dead two. Pretty nasty, especially yeah. when you consider the circumstances. And the second thing that I want to touch on, Big Jed, I don't know. I feel like I am forgetting something from the the archives of Big Dollar Racing. So I don't want to say this with a great deal of authority, but to my knowledge, to the best that I can remember the best that i can think of this is the largest purse i've ever seen not cut up in some form yeah i can't remember one loop i know we talked a little off air about it i know there was a year in the million where it didn't get cut nearly as heavy as every other year seemingly and i think that was uh i don't remember was it george tomasi or somebody that mm that held the purse a lot higher than normal but you know i see people on the internet and i hear stories all the time i wouldn't i wouldn't split i tell you what i wouldn't do i wouldn't split wouldn't give my money away uh it's been done pretty much every time in a major event like this one and i this to me would be the only one i can remember that didn't get cut up yeah i mean from an outsider standpoint I think it's cool because like, oh, yeah. the only person that could be upset about it is Jason Lynch. And I guarantee you, he ain't upset about it. <laughs> so if he can live with <laughs> no. it, I can. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I would agree with that. He, he ain't bothered by it. He just went on about his business like he always does. You know, the guys down the line that, that lost at eight, lost at four, they probably when they got that wind light at 16, Luke, I can assure you they were probably feeling like oh, I made it, you know, uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna make some money here, uh, regardless of how the outcome is. And sure, so. but in reality, too, in that specific format, it's a 64 car race, so you just won third round. 
You know, I mean, it's not like you should be entitled to five grand. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I mean, when you step back and look at it, yeah. I'm sure those guys at least got their entry money back. I was so. going to say, looking back, yes, you're right. In the moment, I'm you still when you get that <laughs> win lot, you're thinking, oh, God, okay, I made some money. Now, I didn't Fair come enough. out on the short end. So, but nonetheless, it was a great final, an awesome run by both of them, and you know, one of them come up a couple of thousand short. It is what it is. That is drag racing in this day and age, without question. From that discussion, we'll transition to a related discussion. This week's Siebert Performance, Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Siebert Performance, Who's Hot? Siebert Performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. Now, this week's featured package is the Pro Series Bracket 441 LS Next. It is a 750 horsepower LS based small block built with reliability and longevity in mind. It's got all the good stuff. It's got a dart block, trick flow heads, vacuum pump, coil packs, and you can get an optional Siebert Performance carburetor available in the package. Contact Luke Siebert at 785 286 6813 or check him out at seabrookperformance.com. Now, Luke, obviously, we just had a discussion about what everybody's talking about, and a guy did something pretty special, and he is our Seabrook Performance who's hot this week. Yeah, I guess we gave this away a little bit in the intro, but this week's Seabrook Performance who's hot goes to Dennis Mead, who not only won that $50,000 final round no split, beside one of the most decorated competitors in yeah. big dollar racing history that didn't make a bad run. As we said, Jason Lynch <laughs> was 15 total. Dennis Mead got under it. As if that weren't impressive enough, Dennis Mead has gone like full on NBA jams on everybody in the last <laughs> month. Like he's literally on fire. Not only did he win the $50,000 main event to end the weekend at the Ultimate 64, he also won the $5,000 gambler back on Thursday to start the weekend. And that was basically just an extension of a lot of late round finishes that didn't necessarily get the big prize, but deep finishes at some of the biggest events in the Ohio, Michigan area uh, yeah. over the course of the last month. Uh, Dennis had lost at four cars in one of the 20 granders at Dragway 42 at the American Dream a week ago. Got to six cars in one of the 50 granders at uh, US 131 at the SFG event. So he's been knocking on the door at Killcare, busted it down. So Dennis Mead, this week's Siebert performance, who's hot? Yeah, great performance by Dennis. Obviously had performed very well leading up to that point. Uh, no I guess I don't mean this to be uh, like it's going to sound, but uh, obviously made the split and the, the 20K, probably made the split in the 50K. Never made it to the split in the Ultimate 64, but still come out with a $50,000 payday. So, uh, awesome performance by Dennis. You know, a lot of pressure there, I'm sure, in the final round with $40,000 on the line. But got it done and uh, propelled him right on to the Seabrook Performance Who's Hot uh, winner's circle. So congratulations, Dennis. And Luke, there were a lot. Of, it's every week. I mean, we really do have to go in and, and dissect these things every week and figure out who really should deserve this based on what we know. And because every week there's a lot of strong performances. There were more behind Dennis this past weekend. 
Yeah, no doubt. And we get shout out to the listeners, first off, because we get inundated with with these week in and week out. And we love it. Thank you guys for bringing these to our attention. Even some of the ones that aren't necessarily on the national radar. You know, if somebody's won three, four weeks in a row with their home track, like that's Mm -hmm. worthy of mention. And we don't always get to all of them, but this week in particular, we had a lot more rain than racing. So our results slate is a little bit light. And I just wanted to touch on all of these because they're all impressive in their own way. Blue Hayball, our buddy Blue, all name team. One of your favorite. my boy, Blue. Blue didn't win last weekend. He was runner up in the Top Dragster Series event at Rocky Mountain Raceways. That's Salt Lake City, Utah. It's notable because that was his first loss in that series. It was also the fourth race of that series. Blue Hayball, winner, winner, chicken dinner in the first three uh, top Dragster Series events at Rocky Mountain Raceway, runner-up to Mark Kidd this time around. So, heck of a start to the season for Blue. We've talked. Luke, yeah, Luke, go let ahead. Me, let get, me get your Blue Hayball reference. I want to point out because I love Blue. I love Mark Kidd, and I, I love all those guys. I mean, Blue. He has Blue in his name. B L U. It don't even have the E on it. That's how cool he is. His last name has the word Hay and Ball in it, and it's put together. So, that's about the coolest guy you know. But for all you East Coast guys, uh, you know, east of the Mississippi thinking, yeah, big deal. One in Salt Lake City, Utah. I mean, that's out in the West Coast. Let me tell you something. These dudes can race. They are tough out there. Luke, you've been there. You know, the Idaho racers dominated at the Spring Fling Million two years ago. Blues from Idaho. That's a talented, talented bunch out there and a lot of great equipment. So if you are thinking that, just forget about it because it was tough, I assure you. You are my boy, Blue. Go ahead, boy. Attaboy, Blue. Attaboy, Blue. (laughs) Daniel Wiles. We've talked about Daniel previously on the podcast and this incredible run that he's been on. It just continued, Big Jed. His last, what, three outings? One of 15 grander at Huntsville back. That might have even been late April, early May. Followed that up by winning the Dream Team Challenge at Memphis. Uh, he was part of the winning team, part of the winning Dream Team. Then later that weekend, hurt the motor at Memphis. Had to take last weekend off. Rebuilt said motor. Got it fixed. Went to Music City Raceway. Promptly won a $5,000 Super Pro race on Sunday, I believe it was. So that's in his last three outings. $15,000 win. Winning member of the Dream Team. $5,000 win. Impressive for yeah. Daniel Wiles. And I had mentioned earlier off air that I think it's a little bit of robbery that we're not giving him the overall nod here, but you just can't catapult him over what Dennis Mead did. Yeah. Brian Newport, like as quietly as you can win three big dollar races, Brian Newport has done that. And the, over the course of what, the last month, month and a half, he won a day at Disco Dean's Cinco de Reso. I believe it was a six grander <laughs> at the SFG event at Martin, Michigan, which got overshadowed because there's two fifty granders and a hundred grander, and there's a guy named Kevin Pollard foot breaking a love truck to just destroy everybody. I don't even know if we mentioned at the time, but Brian Newport won the twenty grander there, like the Thursday race. Yeah, big this track at the Ultimate sixty four. Brian Newport again didn't hold the big check after the main event. But just one of them is the eight grander along the way. So three huge wins 
for one of the best racers for a long time in that area that have largely been overshadowed because they weren't the main event of any of those races. But I think we need to give Brian Newport a little bit of credit for this amazing run that he's been on as well. Yeah, that is very, very impressive. And unfortunately for Brian, you know, it's easy to fly under the radar with what we have available to the sportsman racer, the bracket racer these days. So didn't mean to slide you there, Brian. That was a, a heck of a run. I'm hopeful that it continues for you and Daniel Wiles too. Look, that Dream Team race was uh, Memorial Day weekend. I think it was just a week prior. He won the 15. Yeah, that's right. I was so, off on the date. Yep. Yeah. So uh, pretty, pretty good stretch there with the only week he missed was um, having to rebuild the engine. So pretty strong performance there from him as well. Now, as you, you mentioned, hold Newport. On, let me let me let me butt in here. You you said it was unfortunate for Brian Newport. It was unfortunate for the rest of us as a racing community. That, to my knowledge, and I'm pretty confident on this, none of those three wins came in the Colt. Oh, that's yeah, a that, shame. <laughs> that is a shame. I feel something about Dodge Colt falling well, we, in the shout out section of this, but we'll see. We'll that's a long way down the road from now. Well, when I mean, we know how you feel about dragsters, so it's a wonder that we even got to mention Brian. <laughs> I don't hate dragsters. Quit. Don't start all that. Speaking of dragsters, how about this next guy right here? Not somebody we talk about a whole lot here, but it's worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the last note on our Who's Hot Notes, Jake Coughlin Jr., probably not a viable candidate just because uh, he doesn't do a whole lot of sportsman racing, but what, a week and a half ago, won pro stock for the first time in three years, I believe, at the national event in Joliet. Just decided, I think, largely on a whim to jump into Supercomp at Virginia, driving the car that his wife, Samantha, typically competes in. I believe running in Supercomp for the first time in nearly two years and promptly just went out and won that class as well. So shout out yeah. Jed Coughlin Jr., uh, Supercomp winner at Virginia. Yeah, shout out to JJ. And, uh, you know, he's one of us, Luke. I mean, he obviously drives a pro stock car. He's a many-time NHRA national or world champion. But uh, Jeg, he watches these live feeds, keeps up with the big dollar bracket races when he can't attend them. Um, you know, he'll he'll shoot me a text or or Peter or Kyle or anybody else that, that you know, making sure that they know he's tuning in because he loves it, loves the sportsman racing. So that's why you get a mention, sir, on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, even for your pro stock wins. Congratulations, JJ. <laughs> well, and, and Jeggy, obviously one of the most talented and decorated drivers of of our generation regardless of the class and also one of the most humble but so this is this is going to sound a little bit odd coming from me but like i know this isn't realistic but i just picture like jeg walking off the podium with his wally super comp wally and just with this look on his face like the simplicity of your game amuses me you know what i mean just uh, i think i'll run super comp this week yeah got it got another one ching yep yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it is cool how his talent transitions from class to class. Guys, just you know, he's one in what seven categories, I think. So, pretty pretty darn impressive. But speaking of impressive, well, let's get to some results quickly. Cover some of these races. The Ultimate Sixty Four. Obviously, the main attraction there, Luke, was the uh, fifty thousand dollars shootout that we talked about. Dennis Mead getting a win over Catfish, Jason Lynch. 
And um, that was the first time no split in the 13-year history of the event. So we beat that to death. We'll move on. Thursday night, as we mentioned, Dennis Mead got that $5,000 win, the warm-up win over Dwayne Roberts. Josh Ludke and Jason Ford were the semifinalists. Friday's 10K, how about this guy? Speaking of red hot and kind of flying under the radar, here he is again. Skinny Kenny Underwood. My goodness. I mean, this guy is just tearing it up, and we haven't. Not, you know, intentionally, but we just hadn't given him the credit that, that he deserves, I don't think. Kenny's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, that's and, three consecutive weekends with final rounds on basically the biggest stages in sports and drag racing. SFG event at Martin, Michigan, maybe one of 50. And mm-hmm. it was in the final of one of the 20s at Dragway 42, one of the American Dream races. I think he runnered up that one, if I'm not mistaken. And then nice Friday goal. wins a 10-grander at... Kilcare. So yeah, super impressive uh, run by Kenny Underwood that I think largely in to some respects, like we just kind of uh, take that in because it's almost expected of Kenny Underwood. Yep. But yes, another one very much deserving a mention in the Seabrook performance. Who's hot? Yeah, I agree. Got went over Steve Riggins, super good guy there. Steve, congratulations to him for the runner up. Uh, Tyler Bohannon, red hot young racer and our old buddy Jody Davies there in the semis. Friday's 8K, as you said, was Brian Newport. Uh, getting a win over what would be an all-top-ten name, no matter how many people, even if Blue Hayball's there, this name, Noah Rambo. How about Noah Rambo would be a top-ten name for me at every event. Gets the runner-up in the 8K. We've covered the 50. Sunday's 20K was split at seven cars due to rain. Catfish was still in there. Jason Lynch, Jacob Orr, Tyler Bohannon, Bryson Scruggs, Aaron Vale. How about old Aaron? And Ricky Adkins and Caleb Ellison were the last seven there, split that up. So all in all, it looks like Randy Helton and Kelly Estes put on another great Ultimate 64. Congratulations to you guys as well. Job well done. I try Sportsman Spectacular, Dragway 42, the figurative and literal black cloud that seems <sighs> to be following this series reared its head again. They tried their best, fought numerous rain delays, ended up. Splitting this, I read the press release earlier. I think there was 27 cars remaining in the $10,000 main event when they gave up and had to uh, split the remaining person. I believe they were at the final in no box and like 25 of the other cars remaining. Didn't get Sunday's race in at all. So Itre will try this again. I believe the next event is uh, at Producer Mark's home track up at Keystone. Yep. I think Keystone is going to be a great place to have it. And um, again, shame that this the weather has plagued them, followed them, but if you can get to the Pittsburgh area and race at Keystone in this race, man, these guys are offering a a great package for the the bracket racers, so make sure you get out there and check them out. They deserve your support. The Junior Dragster Showdown, Luke, that was the biggest deal for Junior Dragsters in quite some time. It was held at US 43 Dragway in Etheridge, Tennessee. My buddy PJ North was performing there. turned out, looked like a great event. It was uh, supposed to be a 15K on Friday and Sunday with a 20K sandwiched in between on Saturday. Didn't quite reach that car count requirement to get to that number, but I still think it paid like maybe 5000 Friday, 75 or 8500 on Saturday. 8500 Mark's telling me now, 7500 on Sunday. That's huge for the youngsters out there racing those junior dragsters and huge for those parents i'm sure too uh looked like it went really well what we got here 
Yeah, I think we'll have complete results on that event next week, Big Jed, as we iron out the details. We mentioned NHRA in Virginia. Nothing super exciting stood out to me there. Um, Like we said, Jaggy got the win in Super Comp. I scored a little bit. Team Luke with a runner-up in Supergas. Big Mike, Mike Sawyer with the runner-up early in the super gas season for Mike and his division one brethren. So I'm holding stout with my pick there. I think Mike's primed to make a big run. He's a perennial top 10 finisher. Did you see Joe Tysinger's box score, big Jed super stock winner? Yeah, I did because it's in the show notes and it oh, yeah, was yeah, uh, very, very, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're so adept at reading the screen in front of you, Big Jed, why don't you tell us what Joe Tysinger did in Virginia? <laughs> well, Joe Tysinger just was got crazy nasty for five of the six rounds. Uh, in the final, he was 034. Uh, did make up for that by being dead on with a zero and uh, producing a, a win light there. But, but the five rounds outside of the final was triple zero, double O two, O ten. 009 and 013. Now that's hitting the bottom bulb. Huh? Whether you got a button in your hand, whether you're swapping feet, none of that matters. That's crushing the bottom bulb. And Joe Tysinger put up a very good box score outside of that 034, but that's very easy to do, especially when you've been that nasty. You can tend to slack up just a smudge, and he did, but it still worked out well for him. So, Jed, what's wrong with an 034? Last time I went racing, I was worse than that. I got a delay box. <laughs> I can do that too. Uh, but 034 is probably not, it's not a bad reaction, but it probably wasn't what he was looking for. Let's just say that. No, I guess if you come off five straight, no worse than 13, 34 yeah. is a bit of a letdown, but glad it worked out for him. <laughs> Division four Lucas Oil event in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It looked hot in Tulsa. Oh, it has to be hot in Tulsa. Not a ton to discuss there a uh, friend of the podcast little podcast bump for super gas winner tommy phillips made his way out of retirement held up the wally in super gas and team luke got another another small score oh, um, my goodness slate cummings runner up in stock eliminator and big jed i'm glad that mark added this into the show notes because did you happen to pay any attention to slate's box score i did not totally missed it and it's not in the show notes I don't know what slate Cummings could go in B-Stock Automatic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> I would rest assured it was significantly quicker than the 1050-ish that he was dialed in every round, excluding the semifinals. In yeah. the semifinals, I believe, I, I don't get me to line here, I, I want to say that the B-Stock Automatic Index is 11 flat. I may be wrong, and you Stock Eliminator guys will correct me if I am. But I want to say that he just rolled into the water without a dialing on the window, in which case NHRA just dials you the index. So he dialed up half a second and got the win in that semifinal round. So kudos to Slate. As I've said before, I wasn't at Tulsa. I didn't get to witness this, but I can sleep well tonight feeling very confident that Slate Cummings made Stock Eliminator, a class that is largely not the most exciting class to watch in sportsman drag racing. Uh, Slate made that very much a spectator sport once again in Tulsa. I love watching Slate Cummings race because we mentioned Jason Lynch earlier in the show. And I always said if you could have like an encyclopedia for or maybe like the urban encyclopedia for the don't give a bleep, like there would be a picture of Jason <laughs> Lynch. 
right beside that, there would be a picture of Slate Cummings, and he's having a great time not giving a bleep. And I love it. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah likewise. That's why he's on Team Luke. Go, Team Luke. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. June 29th through July the 1st, IHRA will bring their new Summit Sportsman Spectacular to Wilkesboro Dragway in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Now, the main event will be Saturday's $10,000 to win race, while Sunday will pay $5,000 to win. Both races allow electronics, while no box entries will be kept separate until only one remains. That racer will receive a bonus of $1,000 on Saturday and $500 on Sunday. If that racer is an IHRA Summit Super Series member, they receive a bonus of another $500. This event will provide something for everybody. It's got Ironmen, big checks for the winners. There'll be round prizes, contingency. There's a golf cart race and a racer appreciation cookout. Pre-entry, again, is only $150 for the Wilkesboro event. That will run until June the 18th. Pre-enter now at IHRA.com. In addition, this week's podcast is presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. How can This Is Bracket Racing Elite help you become a better racer? For one, we have experienced instructors, myself included, for you to model. Now, I've made just about every mistake possible in my 20 years of racing. You can learn from them rather than hopefully doing it yourself and the hard way trial and error modeling can significantly accelerate the learning process we'll provide the appropriate trainings the drills exercises to enhance your game now you've got to do the work but we provide the tools and best of all the group provides accountability we don't just suggest what to do this is bracket racing elite members will motivate and challenge you to follow through elite is essentially its own check and balance now if you want to reach and expand your potential on the racetrack this is bracket racing elite can help check it out at this is bracket it's time for the big interview on the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed all right, guys, we didn't talk much about uh, our big interview this week, but just to kind of preface what we're doing, we, we've got a guy on the phone that's uh, part of a group of people that don't always get in the spotlight when things are going well or when they go bad or whatever at the racetrack. These are just kind of the hardworking people behind the scenes. We wanted to talk to one of the crew chiefs that are part of NHRA racing and the sportsman side of things. So on the phone with us now is a guy that uh, races very well himself, but in his crew chiefing, he has uh, led or helped lead his driver to 80 national event wins. Now, that's 80 out of 96 total for this driver, so you, you're figuring out who we got real quickly. And two NHRA World Championships. Great to have Barry Davis on the phone with us tonight. Barry, how you doing? Doing good. How about y'all? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. We appreciate you taking some time to join us tonight. 
Thank you for asking. Let's start from the beginning, and, and you tell me, because I don't know this history particularly well, but I guess whichever came first, when, and you can answer both questions if you please, when did you first meet David Rampey, and how were you first introduced to the sport of drag racing? Well, I first met David when I was still in high school. My dad raced Superstock and NHRA, and uh, we got to be friends with David traveling to some of the same tracks and stuff. And then, you know, David was hooked up with uh, Sonny Ray, and Sonny was a real good friend of my dad's and actually almost like family. And uh, I just met him through that, and basically uh, I got into drag racing through my dad. I, he was drag racing when I, as long as I can remember being alive, I've been involved with drag racing. Your history in the sport obviously predates meeting David. At what point... How old were you? Or what's the age difference between you and David? He's 63 and I'm 57. Okay. I thought that was so fair. About yeah, not somewhere around in there. And at what point did you begin your employment with David and his racing team? Uh, 1997. He called me and asked me would I be interested in. Well, to start with, in 95, he won the world championship in 95 in Supercomp. And he called me and asked me, would I be interested in going to Phoenix and California at the end of the year with him and help him? And uh, I told him I would. And I took off of work and went with him. And and we really had a good time. And he ended up winning the championship. And, you know, that was a pretty neat deal for me to be involved with that. And then like a couple years later, he needed some help and he he called me back and asked me would I be interested in it, and uh, I jumped on it and been there ever since. <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. That's now, right. between your your father, you had been around racing long before you started as the official crew chief. You had done some racing of your own prior to that time as well, correct? Yes, not much back then, but I did race a little bit on my own, but I was me and uh, David's wife, Kelly, her brother, Chuck, we raced together for almost 10 years, just bracket racing, you know, at all our local tracks. And, and, uh, I was involved in it through that. And then later on, after my daughter got out of college and everything, I started proceeding to build me another car and I just sort of got it finished and just sort of play with it whenever we're home. Just really enjoy driving. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and you and chuck ray by the way were a very tough team to to get around i can remember the heyday there popping wheelies and, and getting a lot of wind lights that was that uh, was great times back then yeah that was that was a lot of fun we really enjoyed it and had a little bit of success with it so i was gonna know. say y'all won a lot so it made it easy to enjoy <laughs> <laughs> it does make it better when you win now, Barry, you, you obviously get the cars prepared for David, and, and you're making sure that everything's set up like it needs to be. But I imagine there's a lot of different things you do outside of just the cars. What would you think your most difficult task or challenge is when you're getting things ready for the races? Well, me and David actually work together on most everything that we do. There's jobs that I do by myself. You know, I I take the cars apart when we get back and clean them and check them and make sure everything's all in good working order and just go through everything, get the trailer stock back up. And there's a lot more to it than just going down the racetrack. You know, we, 
we basically work most every day from nine to five on all the stuff, keeping it up and getting it ready. And uh, mm. just, there's really not nothing that stands out over anything else. It's just a normal routine of if anything's broke, you know, we got to get it ordered, get it in, get it fixed. And uh, other than that, you know, it's just, just upkeep and the maintenance. Mm-hmm. But, just a, you know, just there, there's a lot more to it than people think, but it's it's a really neat deal. Yeah, just a process and a, and a grind at times, I'm sure. Barry, obviously, we've got you on here to talk about you, but I'd be remiss if we didn't at least prod a little bit as to a little bit more insight as to one of the greatest sportsman competitors of all time and we've had david on the show but i'm curious from a different perspective do you have a favorite or a best david rampy story that you could share with us well i probably don't really have nothing (laughs) you know in particular because we're just kind of simple we keep our you know our whole operation pretty simple we don't nothing really stands out but uh david's just a he's a great guy he's a good honest, hardworking guy, and he's very successful. And, you know, I don't take credit for his success. I'm thankful to be able to be a part of it. But David would be successful. It wouldn't matter what he done. He would be successful in it. And, you know, I'm just thankful to be able to be a part of it. And uh, there's not, like I said, there's nothing that really stands out. People have heard him say over and over, you know, we're just kind of a simple bunch. We're just old country boys that, you know, (laughs) try to race and try to do everything, you know, possible to to win. You know, winning is a big deal. You know, we don't just do this to ride up and down the road. We, when we leave home, we leave home to win. And you don't win every time, but we leave home with that mindset. So, you know, like I said, there's nothing really spectacular that jumps out. It's just you know, I'm very blessed to be able to work for him. Yeah, well, I, I can hear that in your voice. And, and, you know, when we talked to David Barry, he was he was sure to let us know that, that you are, uh, you know, a key part of what he has accomplished, that, you know, he appreciates everything you do and the role you play on the team. So I uh, appreciate your humility, but I think you're a bigger part of that than you're giving yourself credit for. But outside of what you're doing as a as a crew chief you've had success behind the wheel you know i know you don't get to attend the biggest bracket races you you travel quite a bit you got a lot going on and with your role on the team but you've been successful when you get behind the wheel and you'd like to hit the bottom and scratch out around our little country racetracks around here do you do you learn things from david or any other racer for that matter that you you're able to take back to the track with you because with your limited opportunities, you seem quite successful when you do get to the racetrack. Yeah. Well, one thing I do, you know, I, I pay attention to what David says and, you know, David's really good friends with Gary Stennett and we go out to eat at, you know, after the races and stuff with Gary and, and I really pay attention to, to all the details of, you know, of how to race and, I still like a lot on some of it, you know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks and I'm about to get old, but you know, I do pay attention to what, you know, to what they say and they're, they're, those two are very successful. And, you know, if you keep your mouth shut and your ears open, pay attention, you'll, you'll learn a lot more than people think you do. So I have learned a lot from David and he goes, you know, he goes with us to our local track and, 
you know, he'll go to the starting line. He'll stand up there with us and he'll, you know, he'll tell us if there's anything, you got something going on, need to lower your tire pressure or you need to do this or need to do that. Mm-hmm. He's very helpful. And uh, he's not just a a great driver. He He's just a good, what you would say, I guess, uh, mentor or whatever people say sure. that. But I just pay a lot of attention to what him and, like him and Gary says, and it, it makes a difference on your success. You know, if you try to, if you try to put that stuff into your program. So, yeah, that's quite a brain trust to, to tug from. If you, if you <laughs> didn't, if you weren't able to take some knowledge out of, out of that bunch, I, I'd say that's pretty foolish. So good on you. <laughs> Very, you, if you can think back i mean and i know these aren't questions that you probably take on every day and probably don't give a ton of thought to but in all of these years of i guess racing in general this doesn't have to be limited to your time with david but is there a is there a favorite memory that you can pull out from your years within the sport well it would probably be you know some of the double up races that we've had it's hard enough to win to win one category but to win two you know, there's a lot of hard work in that, and there's a lot of running and keeping up. You run one car, and then you take off as fast as you can go to get the next one ready, and sometimes you've even got the next one in the lane. But I guess those would probably be some of the, the better memories, you know. And, and the world championships, they're, that's just such a hard thing to do, and and to be able to be a part of those, it's pretty awesome. You mentioned in the opener, or we mentioned for you, I believe, that you've been a part of two of David's world championships and 80 national event victories that you guys have teamed up on. Do you have any idea how many double-ups you've been a part of? Pretty sure it's been four, I think. Special days at the track. On the flip side of that, Barry, we talked about the good. Is there any day that stands out at the track as a day that you just assume forget? Well, some of those days when things don't go right, you know, but I guess there's probably not just any certain, certain thing, but you really, you try so hard not to make mistakes. And sometimes you'll make a mistake trying not to make one. And you don't want to make mistakes that keeps you from turning on the wind light because there's, it's so hard to turn them on now as it is. But, you know, I guess making mistakes that are uncalled for that's you know that's that's a pretty tough deal yeah but i would think anyway being a part of it at the level that you have for as long as you have it's gonna be a little bit easier to just kind of take things in stride good and bad because you've seen it all at this point yeah that's true i mean we've had a lot of success and uh it's been a roller coaster up and down a lot of people think that you all you do is you just show up at the track and <laughs> and you race and when guys as good as David is, they expect you to win. And, you know, all the time you don't win. So there's just a lot of ups and downs to it, but I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather be doing right now. That's for sure. Jed mentioned earlier that when we had David on with us a few months back, he was effusive in his praise for you and basically couldn't Tell us enough or tell our listeners how big a role you played in his success, he felt like. And obviously, you downplay that. And I I think, to some extent, your humility that comes across here on the show, I think that's almost like 
a necessary trait to do what you do because you're not typically the one in the spotlight, even though you play a huge role in the success and sometimes failure. But along those lines, like as a racer yourself and, and having been around this at such a high level and, and, on, and on so many different levels over the years, is there any desire within you to compete like behind the wheel on the NHRA tour? Well, it's like everybody else, you know, sponsorship and stuff like that pays a big, it makes a difference on who gets to race and who don't because it's so expensive, but I would really love to drive a super stock car. Not nothing special, just, you know, a 10 second super stock or GT car. I I would really love to do that sometime, but I honestly, <laughs> unless something pops up that was really great, I really don't see that happening, but that would be something I'd really love to do because I grew up in Superstar with my dad and uh, my dad was fairly successful, you know, as, as far as your local guy that just gets to go when he can, you know, and I was very blessed to be able to go with him and, and grow up in Superstock. And I think I would love to do that one day if, you know, if the opportunity did come along or something, but till then I'll just enjoy hitting the bottom bug with my old car. <laughs> well, I'd love to see you get that opportunity too, Barry. Hopefully that works out. Of all the success you guys have had, and it's been a ton of it, obviously, is there that one race win that has eluded you and David that, you know, just things just haven't gone well, just hadn't performed at the level you wanted to, that you just, you want that win before you're done? Is there one particular one? Well, let's see. It's kind of He's basically won in about everywhere we go that has <laughs> yeah. comp. So, I, you know, I enjoy racing at Denver ever so often. It's just a really neat place, and we've been we've been blessed to win Denver several times. So, but uh, you know, I guess it'd be hard to say that you know, like I said, all the tracks that do have comp, yeah. we've actually have won at them. So, yeah, when you've won that much, I guess you've won everywhere. There's not one eluding you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll follow up that with the with a two part question, Barry. And we, I guess, we may have already touched on bits and pieces of this, but I'm anxious to get your perspective. Like, as the the role that you play, the you know, being a, a valuable part of the team, but being you know a step back from the spotlight, so to speak. What's your favorite part of that? Of maybe not necessarily having the burden of expectation, but being a part of it. Well, just being a part of something or somebody as successful as David, being a part of that team, like I said, I don't take credit for nothing. You know, David is the, he's the champion. I'm just the guy that tries to keep everything going in the right direction and keep everything actually, you know, if there's any kind of problem, make sure we get to the start line. You can't win races if you can't make it to the start line. So, but it's really hard to pick out any one thing that, like I said before, it's it's just a blessing to be able to do this. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we can all attest to it on some level because it's very rare in racing. I mean, granted, there are not a lot of sportsmen racers or teams with a quote unquote crew on the payroll, but it's also, I'd say equally rare that anyone's truly a one man show. Like we've all got somebody, whether it's a wife or a child or a buddy or whatever that that plays such an integral role 
integral role of <laughs> behind the scenes that people from the outside wouldn't even realize you know what i mean that takes so much of a load off the driver and so many less things that you have to worry about and just knowing that this is taken care of if i have an issue or even something as menial as the tires are checked and the cars are fueled up like there is more value to that than than most people realize and like i said earlier barry your humility and downplaying your role like there's a reason that you've been there for 21 years and been a part of what more than 80% of, of David's national event wins. So pretty cool stuff. And that's what we wanted to do was kind of shine a light on people like you. And because Anthony Bertozzi would tell us the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't think he'd have had near the success without Rod Nutt in his corner. And there's only a handful of guys like, like you, Barry, that have been at it on this scene for a long time, specifically with the same boss, so to speak, or the, the same team. So I just think it's awesome. That's why we wanted to have you on. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, like I said, me and David work good together. I don't, he, when he wants something done, we do it. I don't argue the point or we just, we work good together. We, he says, let's change this. We jump on it and, uh, and we just do our best to try to be there and make sure every chance we got to turn the wind light on. That's, that's what we do. Typically take good advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Barry sound like you're just the, the perfect match for, for David and, and the kind of guy that a lot of people wish they had in their camp. So congratulations on all the success and um we appreciate a bunch having you on the show tonight. Appreciate you taking some time. I don't know how much you get to listen to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. But we ain't quite done yet. Now, this will probably be your least favorite part of this, but we do a little uh, thing called rapid fire where we wrap up oh, our interviews. <laughs> we wrap up our interviews with five quick questions, and you can just give kind of an abbreviated answer, but it's uh, just a little bit of stuff we need to know about you before we get off here. So are you okay with that? Yeah. All I right. may mess it up, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, you can't mess it up any, more, any worse than we do. Favorite stop on the NHRA tour? Favorite stop, I guess, would be Bristol. I'm fond of that one myself. Barry, would you rather win a race as the driver or as the crew chief? Driver. Ah, I like it. Uh, just because you live in what Jed tells us repeatedly is the <laughs> finest state in the union. I know that if you are a member of the uh, the state of Alabama, you have to pick a side. So... <laughs> Auburn or Alabama? Alabama. Roll Tide, Barry. Roll, Roll Tide. tide. <laughs> <laughs> the one race you would like to compete in as a driver? One race, probably the Southern Nationals. It's closest to home. Maybe friends and family could come or something. Cool. As I think we learned when we had David on, and you've reiterated here, I don't know if there's an answer to this question, because typically I think with David Rampey, what you see is what you get. But nobody knows him better than you, that we could talk to anyway. People would be surprised to learn that David Rampey. Oh, me. People would probably be surprised to learn that David Rampey can get on the chip sometimes if he needs to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would surprise some folks. <laughs> <laughs> it would surprise a lot of folks because they don't they don't see that. Yeah, but he he's a wonderful guy, but now he can get aggravated sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's necessary to make things happen, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
<laughs> well, Barry, you wrapped that up in style. A good roll tide right there in the middle of that was great. And, man, again, congratulations on being a part of a great team. And we appreciate you being on the show tonight. Great to get to hear a little bit about what you do and the role you play. And uh, can't thank you enough for taking some time for us. All right. Thank you all, sir. I sure do appreciate it. Song to do the Justin Lamb Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam You do the Kevin Brandon Lay the smack across the land Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events News, updates, releases, and announcements It's What's on Tap! All right, Luke, much like every show when we get to What's on Tap, there is a laundry list of great events and great options for the sportsman racer and the bracket racer. Father's Day weekend coming up. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. And if you get the opportunity to get out and enjoy some racing, you can start right here the 14th through the 17th this weekend. The No Box Nationals, my good buddies Greg Dillman and Alan Neff, putting that on at Lions Raceway Park. It's not Lions anymore, is it? It's um, Wagner. Wagner Raceway Park. Yeah, Yeah, Wagner. Right in my backyard. But it's in Lions, Indiana, yeah. So it's a cool race, great atmosphere, a couple of good guys putting it on. It'll be some great competition. So go out and enjoy that. Myself, I will be easing over to the House of Hook in Carolina Dragway for the SFG No Dragster Nationals. You know, I've called this a door car event pretty much since I decided I was going, which was very recently, but it's the No Dragster Nationals. I got to reading the rules, and center steer roadsters and whatnot are legal. So if you're thinking this is just door cars and you might be eliminated because you got something center steer, it's just No Dragster Nationals. No Dragsters allowed, everything else you can get over there and race with them. So that's where I'll be in uh, 50000 a day. Pretty good deal for the, the guys that are dragsterless like myself. And um, looking forward to getting over there and competing with them. How about the gang at SFG showing some love to the T-Altered, to the Bantam Roadster, yeah. to the Fiat? <laughs> the Fiat. That's right. As a former drive Bantam Altered driver, I can respect that. That's, that's good stuff. That's, that actually makes a lot of sense because... Those cars aren't aren't super popular in this day and age, and I don't think that they necessarily have the advantage that a dragster has. And I think it's unfortunate for most of them when they have to race with the dragsters at the dragster races. So makes sense. Something else this weekend. There's something called the Mutt and Jeff race at Mason Dixon Dragway, Boonesboro, Maryland. <laughs> so that sounds interesting, right? Yeah. Um, Four thousand dollars to win Friday, ten thousand dollars to win Saturday. Funny name, serious race. Up in Leicester, New York. That's my parents' stomping grounds. We've got the twin really? 7.5 hundos. That's 7,500 <laughs> to win. Two races up at Empire Dragway in New York. And Big Jed, a ton of NHRA action this weekend. Our pick'em contest, as we near the, the mid-season redraft, the pictures will become a little bit more clear this weekend. We've got a doubleheader up in Division 6 at uh, Mission BC. That's one that I got wrong last week. I, said, I thought that was last weekend. As we'll get to momentarily, I got a lot wrong last week, so this was just part of it. Um, <laughs> doubleheader up there. I think every division... I I may, I may be speaking out of turn. I think almost every division has a doubleheader now. I think every division should have, just to cut down on travel, I don't think that NHRA is quite ready to adopt the IHRA model and make an every event a doubleheader because it's, 
particularly if there's a big car count, that becomes a bit of a marathon. But yeah. one a year in each division, I think, makes a ton of sense for everyone. So happy to see that coming to our friends up north in uh, Mission British Columbia. Division 5 goes to Bandemir, points me to Denver this weekend. Division 1 to New Media. And the NHRA Mellow Yellow Tour makes its annual stop at Bristol Dragway, the racetrack that Barry Davis just told us is his favorite stop on the tour. Yeah, Father's Day weekend, full of great racing for everybody. So, again, get out and enjoy that. And all you fathers should get a free pass to go do some racing. So that's going to be a really good time. I'm going to go enjoy it with my son. And hopefully you get to enjoy it with your child, whether it's boy or girl. Luke, the Great American Bracket Race and All-State Challenge is up next for Britt and Galen. That's obviously happening Labor Day weekend in September. But... Britt wants to weekend following Labor Day. Yeah, the weekend following. That is correct. My apologies. But Britt uh, wanted us to make sure that um, anybody that's interested in being a team captain for your state. Now, again, this is not the dream team deal. This is where your racers have to be residents of the state that you're representing or province for that matter. If your state is not on the list, and you can find that at the Great American Bracket Race Facebook page, if your state's not, well, look at that right on top of it. It says something about defending champions, but we won't get into that. If your state's not on the list and you would like to represent and or be the team captain, contact those guys. Get your state on the list. Put you a team together and come battle great teams like the team that won it last year from, what is that, Alabama Slammers. So they were the defending champions I see last year. And if you want to come compete, Luke, are you still there? If you want to come compete against great teams like that, put a state in and contact Britt and or Galen. Yeah. Okay. States (laughs) signed up at this point to be represented. The aforementioned Alabama, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Minnesota, Georgia, Ontario, Canada, as you mentioned, province, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Illinois, that's my team, Mississippi, New Jersey, Maryland, Mexico's not a state. I don't know much. (laughs) Mexico is not a state, but it sounds like... Our whole country gets to represent it. That's right. Team Mexico. Kentucky, Kansas, Nebraska. That's 19 states slash provinces slash countries currently represented if you did not hear your state called if you are interested in fielding a team for this year's all-state challenge contact brit let them know you can immediately be team captain for team oregon or wherever it is that you're listening yeah and speaking of real quick luke i want to make sure that everybody knows if you're a state a long way away especially you western states got a lot of talent but it's hard to get five people to to travel that far you can combo with a state that borders your state line and put a team together that's combo. So contact Britt and or Galen and let those guys tell you how that all works. It's going to be a good time the weekend after Labor Day. And that brings a close to the show, guys. That wraps us up here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, show 81. I want to say thanks to our guests. It was great to have Barry Davis uh, on the show to tell us the life of the crew chief for uh, a 96-time NHRA national champion and two-time world champion under uh, 80 of those under his uh, watch. So great to have Barry. Thanks for coming on. 
our great sponsors certainly deserve a thank you. The fine folks at Seabird Performance, always great to have them. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular, again, guys, get out and visit an IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. They've had a tough run with weather. They've got a heck of a format and giving you the opportunity to compete in something pretty special at very, very reasonable fees. So get out to the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular coming up at Keystone Raceway Park. And, of course, this is Bracket Racing Elite. We want to thank those guys as well. Luke, you got anything you want to say right here? I got some shout-outs lined up. But first, back, I, I just want to say a couple words about Barry Davis because, like you, I've really enjoyed having Barry on the show. Really like the idea of shining the spotlight on somebody like Barry, somebody like Willie Evans, somebody like Krusty. Um, you know, the kind of the touring crew chiefs that do a lot of the dirty work, don't get a lot of the credit. Yeah. Rod Nutt, as, as we mentioned, for longtime crew chief for Anthony Bertozzi. But I just thought it was really refreshing with Barry in general. And I think most of those guys, you'd get the same vibe from. In a sport that, particularly in this day and age, and, and maybe it's not so much our sport as it is a, a microcosm of society as a whole and social media, like I feel like what we do is is very ego driven, and most of the competitors within it, like I don't think we tend to think of ourselves as egotistical, but we're all the first to post, "Hey, yeah, look at me, I won again!" Right? Yes. You don't you don't get that vibe at all from Barry Davis, and you can't have much of that in you and do what he does being out of the spotlight and particularly to do it at the level that he's done it for the amount of time that he's done it in 21 years crewing for david rampey and and obviously there is as he alluded to a lot of highs and good times that come with that but what he didn't allude to and and i can guarantee you is true that there are days where that is a job no different than any other job. I mean, oh, granted, yes. you're doing something that you're very passionate about and very much love, but that can be a grind. And I don't know, just the the humility and the way that he goes about it, and, and I think it comes across plain as day in that interview. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty refreshing, I thought. Well said. Very well said. And speaking of refreshing, it's the part of the show that I've come to love as much as any other, if not more. It's time for shout-outs, Luke. Uh, Shout-out to me because... As I mentioned earlier, I, I made a few mistakes last episode. One um, saying that there was a Division Six event that was on the calendar, but not for last weekend when I said it was. <laughs> but that wasn't my best slip of last week, where apparently, you know, I famously, back in our pick'em, I called Lester Johnson Lester Adkins, and I've poked fun at myself, and you've poked fun at me for several episodes since for doing that. <laughs> um, apparently, in Oops. last week's timing block controversy episode i referred to lester johnson as lester adkins not once but twice so mm. shout out to lester johnson shout out to lester adkins i'll get this right eventually <laughs> shout out to the dodge colt in general brian newport and all dodge colt owners everywhere shout out to blue hayball shout out to noah rambo Oh. Shout out to Slate Cummings and everybody that he just abused along the way in the process of making Stock Eliminator a spectator sport. I didn't hear the throttle ripping from Southern Illinois, but I'm kind of surprised. Shout out <laughs> to hillbillies everywhere that get on the chip from time to time. That was by far my favorite part of the Barry Davis interview. Shout out to Fiat's Altered's Roadsters. I've seen a center steer truck, like an S10 body. Shout out to that guy. Shout out to Leicester, New York. 
and Empire Dragway. Shout out to Lancaster, New York, and Lancaster Dragway. Shout out to the Fletcher family, who I think call Lancaster home. Shout out to all my dad's buddies that he grew up with in New York that are probably not around anymore because it sounded like they were pretty rough back in the day. The only name that comes to mind right now is Funnelhead. Shout out to Funnelhead and everybody that used to roll with my dad. Oh, excellent, excellent work. And uh, I saw a funny Carlo. Speaking of center steered cars, I saw a funny Carlo one time. So shout out to anybody ever driving a funny Carlo. Uh, that was a classic as well. <laughs> Guys, tell us what you think about the show, whether it's good or bad. Hopefully it's all good. But if you see something we need to be doing better or talking about more or what have you, let us know. Messages on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast Facebook page, or you can at us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. We'd love to hear from you. We always do, and uh, just keep those thoughts and and stuff coming because that helps us build the show that you want to listen to. And that wraps us up. We're done. So happy Father's Day to you, Luke, to you, Mark, and all the other fathers out there. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Happy Father's Day, Big Jed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will do our best to be better next week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Towers in my Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>